to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show, we will be discussing season three, episode 14, Stratagem. Okay. Stratagem. I think Stratagem. It, it's Stratagem. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I looked it up. We've also got Isaac. Our special little guest. Who's coughing because he tried to shove his entire <laughs> teething ring into his mouth. It's okay, honey. And we've also got Trudy. Who is quiet for now, but may fall asleep and start snoring. You never know what exciting things are going to happen on At Least There's a Dog. Yeah. Speaking of exciting, that was a good episode. I I enjoyed it. I mean, it's got some flaws, but... Yeah, was... I mean, I've got my nitpicks with it, but on the whole, I was like, now that's more like it. All right. So, I, I have one big... Okay, here's here's the thing I'm, I'm really curious about. Yes. And we had a different experience on this. Okay. I read the Amazon thumbnail before hitting play. Yeah. Or, you know, the little description. And the Amazon thumbnail was just insta-spoiler. Yeah, and you didn't. I did not. How did you feel about the big reveal in the uh, sec or the end of first act? I had already kind of guessed it. Okay. Um, like, I knew from the very start, like, okay, none of what Archer is saying is true. This is all some kind of elaborate setup. We just have to see how they're doing it. Okay, so you didn't think this was like another time paradox? I have written in my notes. What do I have? This is either an alternate timeline or elaborate fake out and then next to it money on elaborate fake out all right so was that a good reveal is the question i think so because i think most viewers at that point especially if they've watched like any star trek previously will have figured out that this is not what's really happening and so the question is just how is it an elaborate fake out okay and, like, I was going to be really disappointed if it was an alternate timeline because they've already done that too many times this season. True. True. Now, I had some issues with the elaborate fake-out, but they were less episode-related or execution issues than just what-the-hell-are-you-guys-doing issues. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and the episode... Hmm. And even then, like, okay. I cared less as the episode went on. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think that it's actually, it's middle act was the strongest. The one where you, you do know what's going on. Yeah. Um, the episode just flew by, too. There was a point where you paused for something, and I saw that there was only a minute left of the episode, and I was like, holy crap, that was like the fastest 40 minutes I've experienced in, well, certainly several episodes worth of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Here you go. <laughs> so, Yeah. All in all, that was a good one. So, uh, viewers, if... Viewers. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, viewers... Viewers like you. Smellers, when we... No, we're not doing that. No. Um, if if you haven't seen the episode and are planning to, watch the episode before listening to our, our podcast. Yeah, because it's better to go in uh, not knowing what happens, I think. I think so. But yeah, it, that was quite enjoyable. It was. Do you, Should I tell everybody what happened? All right. Now that we've got the people who want to watch the episode first, you know, they've gone and watched it. Go we ahead. Are, we already spoiled it, but that's okay. If people haven't learned at this point that the podcast is full of spoilers, there's no hope for them. Yep. Full of spoilers, honey. He's trying to steal your notebook. Well, I'll be reading it out of my notebook. So this was Stratagem. 
Jonathan Archer has received a downgrade in ship, but an upgrade in hairstyle. <laughs> he is on board an alien shuttlecraft with the primate Zindi engineer Degra, with whom, so Archer says, he has been imprisoned by the rival insectoid Zindi for the last three years. If you have seen any Star Trek, you know that this is, of course, an obvious lie. But the episode only deftly and slowly reveals how it's a lie. Three days ago, the NX-01 crew captured Degra and some associates. When asking nicely fails to convince Degra to give up the location of the superweapon that is, yes, honey, that is going to blow Earth to smithereens, the crew constructs an elaborate simulation to convince him that the war is over and that leading Archer to the weapon's location is his only chance of seeing his family again. Their deception requires absolute precision from the crew. One equipment malfunction, one wrong answer, one misplaced hair in Bacula's wig may tank the entire <laughs> endeavor and set them backwards in the race against time. This is also all questionably ethical, but I kind of stopped caring after a while. Will, De Will Archer gain Degra's trust and cooperation? Will Degra lead the crew to the superweapon? Will Flux be adding Tattoo Parlor to the list of sickbay's many functions that also includes zoo and slasher movie set? <laughs> the star of the show, Porthos, is a very good boy, but probably can't reliably shake on command like the humans. And there was a lot of shaking on command in this episode. Oh? Well, you know, like, they, they all have to shake whenever the ship shakes, because they can't actually shake the set. But they were shaking the, uh, they were shaking the little shuttle thing. Was that actually a built set? I mean, no, I, I'm sure the shuttle, inside the shuttle, the actors were shaking. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, like there was a lot of actors shaking Bre Breezy on would not be able to shake on command. Breezy and Windy would not be able to shake on command, indeed. Okay, but maybe um, Porthos could. I assume that the uh, that the shuttlecraft set was just like shuttle pod one or two redecorated a little bit. No, that was definitely, uh, I don't think that was a shuttle pod. I think it was a, a Voyager shuttle prop that was redecorated, but I don't. I don't know for sure. Somebody's shuttle pod got redecorated. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that, I've got a, a little bit of trivial information for you. Trivial information. Isaac, we get trivial information. So speaking of shaking on set, okay. uh, I was very amused uh, to see how they had like these, you know, hydraulic shaking devices to make the, uh, the shuttle simulator Shake. I thought that was fun. It made it seem like it was a thrill, like a thrill ride at an amusement park. Mm -hmm. um, now, as you know, Star Trek traditionally they just shake the camera and have everyone on the set shake around to indicate that there's turbulence. Yes. Or, you know, the inertial dampeners are having trouble, etc. As far as I can tell, there's one exception where they actually had the set on a big shaky gimbal thing. Okay. And shook the shake around. Oh, yeah, that sounds like can, fun. Can you guess it? what that was? One episode of Enterprise or of Star Trek in general? Of Star Trek in general. Isaac has a guess, but I can't interpret it. Oh, yeah, no, he's actually completely correct. You heard that? Was that a hint? That was Star Trek Nemesis. Yes, you are really? completely correct, Isaac. Is that the sound that viewers make after they're done watching Star Trek Nemesis? Yes, it is. Ah, okay, I see. What a smart boy. Yes, Star Trek Nemesis, they actually put the bridge set on a big rotating thing to shake the set whenever they had their turbulence. They would have done that for Star Trek Nemesis. Yep, and 
It did not help the movie. <laughs> nope. That movie was a hot mess. Yep, but... If you haven't seen it, don't. Yeah, but as far as I understand, that's that I believe is the only time they've actually done that. And every other time, it's always just been coordinated uh, shaking. Yeah. Or sometimes uncoordinated shaking. Sometimes uncoordinated shaking. So yeah, I thought that was really neat. Um, and Nemesis came out before this episode by about two years. So they realized it was a bad idea and that they weren't going to do it again? Um, I think so. Anyways, um, there's one other little piece of interesting trivia here. Okay. So Degra, um, you know who his actor is? Randy Oglesby. Randy Oglesby. Do you know anything about him? He's good. He is good. He's been like wasted up to this point on the show. He has been in a lot of Star Trek episodes. Really? I assume he's mostly been under heavy makeup. Mostly, yes. He has played a total of seven characters. Dang. On the various Star Trek series. So he's one of their aliens for all seasons. He is. Um, To be fair, two of them kind of are the same, so it doesn't really count. It's more like six, but it's close. Okay. So, uh, he was the scholar artist uh, in Riva's Chorus from Loud as a Whisper, a, a TNG early season episode. We may have to go watch that. We probably need to go watch that because that doesn't sound familiar at all. He played Akel and Rokel, two identical twin aliens in Vortex on Deep Space Nine, which is another early season episode. I don't think we watched that one. Fair enough. Because we were still following those dumb skip watch guides when yeah, we were watching the early season. Yeah, we later on, like realized, no, don't follow the skip watch guys. Just watch all the episodes. Even the bad ones or the ones that aren't essential to the plot are still a lot of fun. Exactly. Uh, um, most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. Um, then he got a meteor role as Silarin Prin in Darkness and the Light on Deep Space Nine. I do remember that one. Yes, he played the... <laughs> Isaac has so many opinions. Opinions come later, baby. Yeah. He played the, um, basically the, the murderer. Um, he was uh, assassinating a bunch of people from a Bajoran group that had, uh, in an attack, disfigured him. Okay. Um, and he, yeah. he played that role. Yep, I remember that one. He played a, a bit part keyer in a Brenari refugee on the episode Counterpoint on Voyager. I don't remember that one. Um, the, their, their voyagers going through a space where telepaths are illegal. And so the ship keeps getting searched for telepaths. Oh. And Janeway's been oh, okay, like okay, hiding okay, them. Okay, okay, Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, he was one of those telepaths. Okay. He played the character Trinal, who is a captain of a vessel. Uh, um, I can't remember the species. Is this the episode where Trip gets pregnant? It was the episode where Trip gets Yay! pregnant. He was not the interesting role in that one. No, he wasn't. But he but was I guess there. they brought him back. And then he came back as Degra. <laughs> yep, he sure did, Isaac. So he, he is, sure did. He is one of five actors who have played seven or more roles on Star Trek. Wow, good for him. Do you get like a, I don't know. You get you get recognized in this podcast here. You get recognized in this podcast. Do you also get like, I don't know, a special coffee cup? I don't know. Um, can you name, can, how many of the others can you name? Who have played seven or more roles? Yes. Oh, cool. Um, let me think about this. Come on, you can do JG it. J.G. Hertzler. You got it, one. Um, oh boy. Majel Barrett? Nope. No, I guess she hasn't played all that many. Are any of them women? No. Okay. 
So that narrows it down a little. Hello. Um, oh, trying to think of who the, like, Tony Todd? Nope. Come on. Name the obvious one. Isaac is frustrated with me, too. I'm... I'll just tell you. Drawing a blank. Jeffrey Combs. Duh. I wasn't even thinking of Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs, Gigi Hertzler, uh, Vaughn Armstrong. Oh, he's Admiral Forrest. He is, and he's played a bunch of other roles, too. Okay. Um, uh, then uh, Randy Oglesby. And finally, Thomas Capet Capacci. What has he done? We'll talk about him next episode. Oh, okay. Have any of these actors spanned all of the Star Trek series up to Enterprise? Uh, none of these actors had a role in the original series. Okay. As far as I understand. I don't, I don't believe any of Because that would be fun if anybody had been like around from the very beginning. But that would be a really long time span. Yeah. I, there, there was one actor who's been in uh, the original series and a bunch of these other series. But I, I don't remember who that was. Okay. Off the top of my head. Okay. Anyway, just anyway. thought that was a nice little little bit of trivia there for you that is good for these guys i can't believe i just freaking blanked on jeffrey combs it's okay i blame you you've got a baby in your lap i've got a baby in my lap he's eating my brain and speaking of eating my brain it's time for faith of the start oh what a transition i know right i'm proud of that one so (laughs) faith of the start is the segment in which on a scale of one to ten we evaluate how much the theme song ruined the cold open i've got a fun answer for you do you? Yeah. Okay. Zero. Six. Wow. Wow. We disagree a lot. We sure do. Really? You didn't think it ruined it at all? I thought it enhanced it. Really? It enhanced Archer's deception. Well, you knew it's the deception. It's been three years that we've been Okay, you knew the deception off, was we've... happening, so that's cheating. It's been three years that we've been, uh, you know, prisoners and being interrogated and all that stuff. It's been a long road getting from there to here. Oh my god. I'm de- I'm boosting it up to 7. <laughs> Just for that. Do we actually have to have a garbage? No, I don't think we do. <laughs> Good, cuz Because my feeling on this matter because you know, at this point they're still trying to act like this is real and of course none of us know it is, but they're trying to at least get people to suspend their disbelief and we go from concentration camp tattoos to, it's been a long road. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sticking with what I said. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, well that was Faith of the Start. Controversy. I... Controversy ensued. Controversy ensued. I guess it's time for pluses and minuses. It is time for pluses and minuses. All right. You uh, want to start? Sure. Uh, it's The episode started off fast. And it, I think it actually did a very good job of putting the viewers in a confusing situation from Degra's perspective. Yes. But also very quickly getting the viewers up to speed. Yes, I thought it did. And well done. And I was, again, at the beginning, very much like, this is, a, this is clearly a lie, but how is this a lie? I haven't mm-hmm. figured this out yet. And sometimes Star Trek makes it obvious from the beginning, and this time they didn't. Yep. Um, okay, what have I got? Um... Okay, so I have a growing theory on really good Star Trek episodes, and this episode is another data point. 
And my theory is that Star Trek is generally at its best, aside from like a couple of the really big set pieces, like Best of Both Worlds and City on the Edge. Uh-huh. But Star Trek is at its best when it takes one main cast actor and one really well cast guest actor and just sticks them in a room and lets them duke it out. Okay. And I'm thinking of this as the duet dynamic because of that episode of DS9. Yeah. With Major Kira and Harris Eulin, whose character name I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and this also applied during multiple episodes where they just stuck Cisco and Ducat in a room together. Or when they put uh, Tony Todd and... Or when uh, they put Tony Todd and, and, and Cisco, Cisco together. together. Yeah. Um, or... I'm thinking of other, or like Arena, the famous original series episode where it's just Kirk and the Gorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't we find out, who the, wasn't the Gorn? Um, Ted Cassidy. Ted Cassidy, yeah. yeah. It was Ted Cassidy in the suit. Um, or like Balance of Terror kind of applies here because so much of the episode dynamic is between Kirk and Mark Leonard. And tech, uh, Star Trek Two. Star Trek Two, yeah. And Space Seed, mm-hmm. the episode that led up to it. Um, and I feel like there are other... There are other episodes that are not occurring to me right now that do this same... Darmok. Darmok. Darmok is another good example. But there are lots of episodes that... And there was an episode of, with the... Uh, yes, honey. You're helping me think of other ones. There was that episode from season two. I think it was called Dawn with uh, uh-huh. with Tucker and uh, the alien who was not Darmok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or was not that... I guess that alien wasn't Darmok either, but you know what I mean. Yes, I know what you mean. Um, so, yeah. The duet dynamic is the key to a really good Star Trek episode, or at least a really good, serious Star Trek episode. And this was another example of that. Everything where it was just Archer and Degra in a room together was really good. Bakula was on top form. Randy Oglesby was great. It made me a little bit mad at the show up to this point that they've been kind of wasting Randy Oglesby, but they stopped this time, so we're all good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually go and, and say something... Kind of counter to that. Okay. Well, yes. Yes, the the Archer Degra scenes were actually really good. Um, mm-hmm. The whole crew had a role in this. That's also a plus on my list. They, so this was, this was a all hands on deck. We got to make this happen now. And they, everyone worked together to like, make it happen. Like, holy crap, Hoshi's actually here. Hoshi's doing stuff that only Hoshi can do. Yeah. And Travis is pretending to do stuff that tra- theoretically tra- is Travis's job. Travis is making the ship shake. Yeah. Uh, Travis is key to the deception here. Yeah, no, everyone had a role to play. And I mean, and it was Flox's idea. And I thought that was really cool seeing everyone, you know, playing a role. This isn't just the Archer show, even though he, he had mm-hmm. the most acting. Everyone's also playing a role on this podcast right now. What's Trudy doing? Eh, I guess she's not snoring yet. You can snore, little girl. It's okay. Um, okay, what else do I have? Um, the design of the simulation was really good. I liked the interior that they put in that uh, mm-hmm. reused Voyager prop or whatever it was. And uh, the outer design that we only ever saw, like, the part that they built of, was also really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing was, you know, an elaborate setup that was actually an elaborate setup. Mm-hmm. Though it did make me wonder, like, they did all of this in three days. But, you know, time is of the essence, I guess. And they've got everyone working together. Even the, um... And all hands are on deck, yeah. Even the, the, the Mako guys. Oh, yeah, the Mako guys were involved, too. Hi, Or Mako. Girl. 
Uh, Mako, I think. Mako, okay, yeah. Like, every, everyone is helping, and you can do stuff when everyone's working together. Yep. It was cool. Very good. All right, we're on you, I think? Um, like I said, the middle act was, I think, the best, where we know that it is a deception, and we're, we're trying to see if it works. Um, and it just got very intense, especially when Degra asks Archer for the names of his children. That scene was so good. Yeah. I was just, woo. Yeah. And when they realize that he's got a knife behind his back. Uh Uh-huh. Oh man, that scene was good. And like, you know, they're not actually going to hurt Archer because he's Archer, but it was still just like, you forgot that for a moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And also just, there's the suspense of like, how is Archer going to talk his way out of this one? Mm Mm-hmm. And again, Scott Bakula was good in this episode, like really good. I I was almost tempted to say that you could tell he was doing a deception because he was better than usual. His acting <laughs> was was better than Archer. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Sometimes you just give the man a good script and he goes on top form. Yeah. All actors do it. Yeah. Um, something that I don't even usually notice, but that stood out to me this time, just because of how good it was, the sound design was so good in this episode. I did notice the music was great. The music was great, but there was also a particular scene in the brig where there was no music, there was only diegetic noise, and there was just a kind of haunting echo to everything that Degra was saying, and then there was a hum in the background, Mm -hmm. and it created some very unnerving atmosphere. Hmm. in the brig and it's one of those things where like i'm not a big sound nerd so i don't always notice sound stuff but when it's that good it's screaming to be noticed mm-hmm. cool yeah um all right uh going into extra layer of spoilers uh the second deception mm-hmm. the way it was executed was excellent yes i will agree with that yeah, you'll, you'll know what I said. The execution. <laughs> the execution of it was excellent. Um, they put in... Unlike the first deception, we saw them and how much time they had to prepare for this. And we saw, you know, as it was going with like the fires going off and engineering and, and everything. They, uh, I don't know, it... It was very well done. Yeah, it was extremely well put together. It was just a well put together episode. Mm-hmm. On the whole. Um, I guess we're on me. Yeah. I have my baby in my lap, which makes this an especially compelling plus to me. Degra's little monologue about his kids. Yes. It was not the best written of the Star Trek almost reformed bad guy monologues, but the combination of the writing and the performance really sold it hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can tell this is a guy who loves his family and loves his kids in particular. And he made the characters regret about his role in the attack on Earth feel genuine without mm-hmm. making it feel forced. Yeah. Like that line about... Uh, Wondering how many of them were children. How many, how many of the seven million people he saw die were children. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was... He almost delivered it as a throwaway, like a drunk, bitter throwaway. And something about that made it even more compelling than it would have been if it had been one of those like hyper-emotional performances of, mm-hmm. 
of uh, of regret that say happened on a different level in the episode duet again similar dynamic mm -hmm. but different performance choices both of which worked for the episodes they were in yeah no degra degra exploring degra as a character was really good yeah and i'm also just like where has this character been all season the zindi arc has been getting so dull this is the kind of thing that could have livened it up a while ago He's been there. He's been there, but he's just been kind of a hulking, grunting, grumbly background figure who, like, I could tell that there was something more to this guy than they were showing us, but they never wanted to show us. Well, he got his, his He got his moment. his moment not exactly in the sun. Mm -hmm. He got his moment in the red giant. It's a sun. It's a sun, sure. Doop -a -doop -a -doop. Um, the pacing on the episode was great. So Oh my god like there there's definitely some risky choices they made especially with the uh, flashback yep but i think it paid off it did yes the episode i think i said this already the episode flew by mm -hmm. there was nary a dull moment the entire time mm -hmm. anything else um bacula's wig yeah love it he should keep it <laughs> his wig and just also his his you know a made-up character there of yes. the, the broken years captured Archer. Reminded me a little bit of Nicolas Cage's character in Con Air, which is a very good and fun thing to be reminded of. I don't think I've seen that. That's okay. okay. It's a goofy film, but Nick Cage has a good time in it. Fair enough. Um, also, and I suspect that something related to this is on your minuses list, because I saw the face that you made at it. Uh -huh. Bacula's grimace when Phlox inserted the blood worm into Degra. Because they, thankfully, moved away from Degra's face when Phlox was sticking the worm into it. But you just saw Scott Bakula make this little wince. <sighs> and his face spoke a thousand words. I wasn't a big fan of the blood worm. I get why it's there, but it was it was a valuable part of their deception. But If we want to just like go ahead and shoot off into minuses... Um... One last thing. Okay. Um, they're their solution at the end i was wondering for a while what are they going to do with these guys you you can't just send them back but that I, felt a, that felt too clever by half what the remind wiping them yeah oh you did they established that you they can do a, a memory wipe yeah but it's still it just still felt too cute i don't know i didn't like it as a solution would you rather they have kept them in the brig permanently kind of because then we'd get more of degra yeah fair enough fair enough all maybe, right. they, maybe they could have joined the crew eventually. Randy Oglesby <laughs> could have joined the main cast. Who knows? Ugh. What could have been? The world would be better if I were the executive producer. Um, you I think would have I'm... been like 11 or something? Yeah, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's your point? Moving on. Uh, are we on to minuses? Because I'm out. Sure. Sure. Okay, yes. Yeah, so the gratuitous gore. Um, like... Don't get me wrong, I like gratuitous gore. I'm a huge slasher movie fan. Just not in my Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Leave the gratuitous gore for crappy new Trek. You could have <laughs> you could have done the bloodworm excision without the like close-up on Degro's bleeding arm as Archer squeezed the worm out of it. Uh -huh. We did not actually need that. There was no reason for that to be in there. Yeah. Yes, honey. I, I know. Yeah. He agrees. He does. Yeah, Bloodworm was my first minus. Okay. Well, we're on to your second minus now. All right, this is just... I, I mentioned this earlier. The episode description. 
That's not the episode's fault. It's not the episode's fault. fault. It's Amazon's fault. I know. But, oh, I feel like it would have been much cooler to... To, to watch Archer, you know, exit the simulator. And... I was wondering why you had, like, no reaction to the reveal. And then it made sense when you told me you'd read the episode description. Yeah. That would have been, I think, very cool. But again, not the episode's fault. Not the episode's and fault. And the UPN did a, the UPN trailer did a really good job of hiding what the episode was about. Yeah, yeah. I, I was curious. So I checked with the, you know, next time on Star Trek Enterprise. Because as usual, the UPN trailer was full of lies. Yeah, it made the episode look like it was about something completely different. And, you know, at the very end of the trailer, also a look at what might happen. And, and Archer's just like, you know, Earth's been destroyed for three years. And I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, they they faked it out as an alternate timeline episode. They faked it out. Yep, or, or or something. Like more likely, the people writing the trailer at UPN didn't watch the episode and just stuck it together. Stuck it together at the last yeah. minute. But. No, it, I, it it did a good job of not spoiling what the episode was about, but still making you want to watch it. So this is a quibble both with this episode and with this season as a whole. Okay. Which is where has Hoshi been? Someone named Degra. I know they've been talking about Degra on the bridge before. I know he's been mentioned by name. Bless you. And this just basically conserved that Hoshi's been dead this whole time. Oh, right. Yeah. We did have a, a, a listener write in with a, an alternate proposal about what happened to Hoshi. We did. And it's better than Hoshi being dead. Yeah. But still, like, having Hoshi not know who Degra is when she's a senior officer is pretty... That, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Considering the usual transmission of information around these parts. Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting minor little quibble. Okay. Um, I saw the second deception coming a mile away. Yeah. I kind of had the end figured out, too, by the time they got there. Mm-hmm. Is that all? Yeah. Related to that, um, I thought it, it it feels weird to talk about realism in a sci-fi episode like this, but given what we know about Degra's character, I found it unrealistic that he would have been fooled twice so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Fair enough. Because, like, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It's the old cliche. But, like, would he really have been willing to be so trusting of them Right after they'd shown that they could pull off elaborate simulations entirely for the purpose of fooling him. Yeah, but his mindset was he was like internally panicked because he knew he had given up the coordinates that mattered. And he was internal. He was trying so hard to to bluff them back and he was not thinking straight. He was, but I feel like as soon as everything came down and they were like, oh, whoop, look what happened. Planet's been destroyed sucks to be you, he would have been like, hang on a sec. I can't trust these people. I don't know. Okay. Like, they were at the end of the episode, so that's the only excuse that I can really think of. But I I, I was disappointed that he was fooled again so easily. Let's put it that way. Okay. I, I thought it was a pretty convincing, uh, pretty convincing setup from his perspective. He who is not genre savvy because he does not realize he is in a sci-fi show. Okay. Yeah, he needs to watch more episodes of Star Trek. It would have helped him. Sure would have. All right, last little little thing. Uh, very minor. The the font that they used to say three days earlier. Come oh, on. Oh, yeah, they keep you, changing up the font. You have no an enterprise font. You Use do. It. It's true. Keep on 
using the font that you've established, I'm doing baby reps. Okay. I mean, like, yeah, it's not that hard to use that font. We we, we did that. We, we're using this font for our little uh, show logo. Yep. <sighs> Again, oh well. Show getting lazy. Yep. Um, a three-week detour from where, exactly? Where are they going? Like, if, if, oh. they, like if, <laughs> if, if the goal is, in fact, to destroy the super weapon, then they think they have a sense of where it is. Like, where were they going that's potentially more important? Fair enough. I hadn't thought of that. Like, where are you detouring from? Silly. Silly writers. Huh. They were trying to make a reason for them to need the second deception. But I hadn't even considered that. That's an interesting point. Make it a really dangerous part of the expanse or something. I don't know. Okay. Make it like we have to go through all kinds of crap to get there. But like a a detour from where? Okay. Reasonable. Uh, I'm out. Oh, I got a couple more. Um, Hoshi's dialogue in the fake transmission shouldn't have convinced anybody that it was real. Reasonable. Degra, it's good to hear your voice. Mm-hmm. After he's supposedly been in prison for three years and nobody's heard from him or even knows that he's alive. Mm-hmm. I feel like a real transmission would have had way more of like, Degra, where have you been? How are you alive? Tell me everything. Hold on, don't tell me everything. I'll give you coordinates and meet me there and then tell me everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wasn't convinced he shouldn't have been either. Fair enough. Anything else? Uh, do I have anything else? No, I think we've uh, I think we've gone through all of mine because my only one left was that Degra was too gullible at the end. All right. So Mayweather report. Mayweather forecast slash oh, wait, wait, report. Wait, wait. There was one other thing that we we had thought about maybe discussing. Which was what? Was what the NXO one crew did ethical? I started off thinking very much no, and I'm still not like. But on the other hand, they're trying to save a whole lot of people here. Yeah, like this is a war. There, there's a lot of lives on the line, and like yes, there are a got lot that... of lives on the line. This is so. I think the reason that I was having ethical quibbles at the beginning of it was because it had echoes of that DS9 episode, Hard Time, where they implant prison time in Miles O'Brien's head, mm. and. I was initially thinking, have they done something like that? Or has something like that happened to... I see. But no, it turned out that it was just all a big lie and nobody was actually, like, Degra wasn't actually hurt and neither were his associates. So I I had very few troubles with it at the end. It was much better than Archer's old preferred method of interrogation via airlock. I agree. I agree. I'm glad we found uh, more creative solutions to our problems than that now. Mm -hmm. In the end, none of them were harmed. Uh... Yes, like, you know, you can't use any of this information in a trial. But this isn't a, a, this isn't a justice system. Indeed. This is a, a desperate military attempt to save the planet. Indeed, and the baby's smiling, which means everything's okay. Agreed. All right, so yes, Mayweather report. Yeah. Um, this one's tricky. I think it might have been Malcolm Reed. I think it was Trip. It might have been Trip. Trip did not have a lot to do. Yeah, which is very weird. And again, like, that's kind of okay, because Trip is usually one of the most showcased characters, and they let everybody else come to the forefront a little bit, so I don't mind that Trip uh, gets the Mayweather report this time. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure he'll be back in focus, making out with the Paul sooner or later. I'm sure he will. We cannot say the possible same for Travis or Hoshi or Reed, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh... 
that's that's trip and then we have a kirk award to give out every show we bestow the chains tiberius kirk award on the character who spends the episode keeping the star trek legacy alive by doing the best william shatner impersonation i mean it's obviously archer Degra. why Degra? Degra did the best william shatner impersonation you'll never get close to the weapon okay true yeah, let's give it to Degra, because it's funny. Congratulations, Degra. Yep. And also, I'm glad that your character finally got fleshed out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations in multiple ways. Bring back Randy Oglesby for more stuff. He's really good. I think he'll come back as Degra again, probably. Probably. Almost certainly. All right, is that a wrap in that case? I think that's is a wrap. Is that a wrap, Isaac? Are we ready to wrap up? Okay, in that case... Thank you, as always, for listening. If you're enjoying this, please tell all your friends and family to join the crew. If you are really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating, review, or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day, or send us some suggestions for the show, shoot us an email at atleastthersadog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, your next viewing assignment is the episode Harbinger. Alrighty. No more made-up words in episode titles. Wonderful. This, was a, this wasn't a made-up word. It was not, but they've done made-up word episode titles in the past. and Like Carpenter Street. Or Regine, or whatever that was. Okay, fine. Yeah, Carpenter Street. Good God, what a dumb episode. Anyway, <laughs> take care of yourselves, and until next time, remember to go wherever your heart will take you, like Azadi Prime and not Carpenter Street. Okay. <laughs>